Well, it's my absolute joy to introduce our guest speaker. Oh, wait a minute, it's me. <laughs> Ushers, come on forward, please, and we'll share in our offering together this morning. You hear me say all the time that uh, we give as part of our worship um, for each of you who give, thank you for that. If you're visiting or new with us this morning and you didn't think about it coming in, don't think about it now. It's just part of what we do. Um, a couple of things for you real quickly. You heard announcements about mops uh, uh, coming up. There's a mops table out back. Uh, Operation Christmas Child table out there. Places for you to serve and to participate in things. By all means, jump in. Uh, find a place in which to serve and participate and join in all that's taking place in the life of the church as we're up and running and man, fall is here and off, off we go. Now, this morning, I have a lot of things I want to cover, uh, and so in just a couple minutes, we're going to do communion. Now, we're going to do communion at the end of the service, so I have some other announcements to make first, but I want to get you thinking about something for some communion thoughts, and I'll give you a heads up right now that the announcements I'm going to make are going to take a little time, so it's not like an announcement as in, hey, you know, we're you know, have a coffee, you know, coffee and Danish meeting this week, some bigger announcements, so it's going to take me a little time to get through those, but to get ready for your thinking thought process for communion. And let me ask you a question that I would love for you to be thinking about in preparation. Here's the question. What is it in your life right now that's causing you pain? What in, in your life right now is causing you hurt? Now, if immediately I say those things, and if immediately you're one of those people who say, you know, your first answer is uh, nothing. Nothing. Uh, it's all good right now. It's all good. There's no pain, uh, no hurt in my life, uh, you know, nothing going on. Then I would say to you first, enjoy the moment because it will not last. Um, but for the rest of us who actually tell the truth on Sunday morning, what is it for you? What is it not only that maybe is causing you hurt or pain, but let's, let's add to it. What is it that's bigger than you right now? What is it that you're facing that's bigger then you have the capacity, the ability to deal with. What's bigger in your life? What is it that you're battling? What is it that you're struggling with? What is it that hurts your heart or makes your heart heavy? Maybe who is it that hurts your heart or makes your heart heavy? Has someone hurt you? Has someone abandoned you? Maybe you're facing a medical issue. Maybe it's your kids. You've got some adult children that are making some pretty bad choices. And not only are they not walking with God, but they're making really bad choices. So what is it that would be in your mind? What is it then that when all of the other distractions of life have quieted down, this noise of whatever that thing is is on your mind? That thing that seems bigger than maybe what you have the capacity to deal with. Go ahead and think about that for a couple minutes. Now, truth of it is, for many of us, you didn't even have to think about what it was, right? Well, some of us will have to process it, but for a lot of us that are in the middle of that bigger thing, if you will, you didn't have to think about it at all. You already know what it is. But just kind of park that for a moment, and I'm going to come back to that. For I have a couple of announcements I need to make and some bigger church pictures I need to share with you this morning and talk about. Uh, some announcements along the way. Now, first thing I can tell you, I got to tell you a story. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I referee soccer. I've shared it with you through the years. And I happen to be the moderator for the annual meeting. So as a soccer official association, we have an annual meeting every year. It's mandatory. So 150 officials need to be at this meeting. It happens in August. And during COVID, when we had to go by Zoom, I had a little experience in dealing with Zoom meeting type issues, so they asked me to lead it by Zoom. So you had 150 people in a Zoom meeting, and I led that. And then afterwards, they said, maybe would you moderate all the meetings? So I moderated the meeting a couple weeks ago. So 150 people, and I'm the guy in charge up front. So I have a microphone, and so I do what I normally do, talking people, uh, telling them what we're going to do next, and I kind of moderate the meeting. I get all done. Meeting's done. As soon as the meeting's done, 
This one guy, come, I can see, he runs out of this, the, this, these uh, bleachers where he's sitting at, comes right down, comes to me and says, are you a DJ? <laughs> and I said, what? He goes, you a DJ? I said, no, I'm not a DJ. He goes, I'm a DJ, and I'm telling you, you're a DJ. And I said, I said I'm telling you right now, I am not a DJ. Well, he said, you got to be because you took the mic. When you hold the mic, it's like you have command. You know what? When you start talking, it was like the voice of God. I'm just saying the rest of the world notices it. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> so I'm laughing. I'm going, no, I'm not a DJ. So then he says this. He goes, so what do you do for a living? I go, well, I'm a minister, you know, a pastor, a preacher. You are the voice of God. <laughs> so listen, I mean, I'm just saying other people notice it. So when I'm talking, I think you got to pay attention is all I'm saying, is all I'm saying. A couple announcements for you. First of all is this. I'm excited to announce that we're going to be adding a third service back into the mix starting on November the 12th. On November the 12th, we'll be adding a third service back in. The morning service times, Sunday morning service times will be 8 o'clock, 9.30, and 11 o'clock. 8.30, I mean 8 o'clock, 9.30, and 11. Now, I had the first service, I talked to them. As far as, as far as they're concerned, I didn't even tell them there were two other services. I just told them there's going to be an early service because that's all they care about. But the rest of you, you care. Uh, we're getting at that place of needing to add that service, so we're going to do that on November the 12th. Now, one question you might ask is, well, why November the 12th? You know, normally you'd start like at the first of the month or something like that. Why November 12th? Well, two reasons. First of all, on November the 5th, the, first, the Sunday before that, we're going to have a baptism service and a child dedication service. And quite honestly, practically, it's a little easier to do two services with that kind of setup than it is for three. So that makes sense. But here's the other key piece that goes with that, that scenario. That first Sunday of November is daylight savings time. It doesn't seem to be really smart to add an 8 o'clock service on the Sunday of daylight savings time in the fall. So that's one reason. The other reason we're going to 12th is actually really, really critical, is that we need time to get information from you. Very sincerely, we need time for you to give us input and give us some information. You see, adding a service is not without a number of areas that have to be well thought through. It's not just a matter of, uh, you know, hey, me preaching one more time or the worship team being here. Everything changes from the time that the worship team has to be here, the time all the volunteer staff have to be here. On top of that, you're going to have to think through ushers, greeters, all those areas of, of ministry, coffee brewers. But one of the most critical areas is dealing with the children's ministry team. Because one of the things we want to do is offer children's ministry to every service, every group, to the best of our ability. But when you're adding a third service going in, you don't know what to expect. You don't know how to plan. And so it's very, very critical that we get some information from you. To that end, we need your help. Here's what's going to happen. This morning, about 11.30, while we're all meeting here, about 11.30, an email is going to be sent out. A mass email is going to go out to everyone whom we have your email address. If you're, we've got your email address. There's going to email that's going to go out. There's going to be a survey. It's a really simple thing. If you click on it, you don't have to click on it and go search for it. If you open it up, it'll come from the church. If you open it up, it'll take you right to the page of the survey page. And we need you to fill that out. It's about five minutes. Literally a four to five minute period of time to fill it out. You're just checking boxes as you go. And it's helpful information. I mean, basic stuff. What service do you typically attend right now? Uh, with three services, which service do you think you would typically attend then? Don't overthink it. 
Simply this, you know, if you have a pattern where you typically go to this one and you think, well, the new one, I'm not sure, just pick the one you would typically think that you would attend. That will help us. We ask things about even your cars. We have some families that come and bring three to four cars. That's okay with us. We just need to know how we accommodate for that. But really critical will be the areas of children's ministry. Go through and fill that out. Do your children typically attend children's ministry? Do you keep them with you in the service? In the new service plan, what service do you think they would attend? And asking for ages of children, those kind of things. So please fill that out. It's critical information for us. Now, if you're here this morning or watching online and you're not, we don't have your email, so you're not a part of that email address, a blast email we're going to send out, we still need your input. So here's the way to do that. Number one, QR code on the screen. You can actually take a picture of it right now if you want to do that. A QR code, that code will take you right to the place to fill out the information or just go to our website. If you go to the church website starting today, you know, first page you get to, it'll have that on there where you can click on it and again, take you right to that form. We're going to ask you to fill that out this week if possible. We'll give you two weeks in which to give us information, but that's so critical for us in getting all the information so that we can go ahead and launch on November the 12th. So don't forget, November the 12th, 8 o'clock, 9.30 and 11 will be our service times. Now, along with that, you just heard me mention on the 5th, We have a baptismal service, so here's my pitch. If you have never been baptized, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you'd say, yep, I'm a Christian, I follow Jesus, and you've never been baptized, I gotta ask you, why not? I need to be honest and just transparent with you. There's a critical, there's a critical gap there, if you will, to say, I am a follower of Jesus, and I have not been baptized. Because Jesus is the one who told us that we should be baptized, taking those next steps in following him. So if you haven't been baptized, give it some thought. You can go to Church Center and sign up for that. We'll get, and get more information, figure out what that means, and we'll walk you through that. As well, on our baptismal days, we have the dedication of children. And we have a number of parents that are seeking to have their children dedicated. If that's something you'd like to do, again, go to Church Center. All that information is there, and uh, we can help you with that and take that, take that next step along the way. So that's the first announcement, and that would be uh, our adding of a third service. Let me give you the second announcement. This is going to take me a little time because I need to give you some background. So as I said earlier, just stick with me. We'll get through it all today, but some background. The building we're in today, this auditorium, was built in 1989. We came in 1987. It was already virtually done as far as being designed. We were in the fundraising stage. We did the fundraising, built in 1989. Now, before, before that time, if you'd come to church here, the old church building, if you want to know the size, if you walk in the double doors by the drinking fountain, that was the lobby. Just where the drinking fountain is, just to make a line right there on the wall. You walked in where the drinking fountain is. That was the lobby. Go up the steps, and that was the church. Not a very big lobby, not a very big building. That was it. And so we knew we needed to make a change, and so we made that change, and we built this building, and then we made this big connective link that connects this building to, to that building as well. Now, also going back in time, if you would have been here when this building was built, it didn't look anything like it does out there now. If you go out there now where the, eight, where the tables are, where the coffee is served, and where the high top tables are where you can sit down and have coffee, um, that didn't exist. That area was not there because out in that area was our church offices. And if you can picture this, now just in the area from the, the entryway here, 
Back to where the information desk is now, there were four offices. The first office was the church office, where you sit on your high top and have coffee. That was my office. Then after that, there were two more offices. So if you walk down that area, it was just about a seven-foot-wide, eight-foot hallway, and then offices on the side. And so Sunday morning was one congested spot. Um, I mean, there was no real place to hang out, and uh, summertime gave us some back patio area, but that was an issue. And we knew it was an issue all along and needed to fix that. So we moved our offices. We bought uh, the Red House across the street where our offices are now, if you didn't know that. All of our church offices are Three quarters of them are across the street. Let me tell you a quick story because we've seen God's hand through the years in multiple ways. We needed space. We knew we needed to grow. We needed we'd move offices. We didn't know where. Uh, we had no idea. We just needed to do something. We actually looked at building an office complex on the property right, right before us. And you're driving up here right next to the parking lot. That didn't get approved. We didn't know what to do. I was out planting trees one day um, for this building. So it was kind of relatively new, planting a maple tree. And our neighbors lived across the street in the red house. They didn't really care for us. Um, They hated us. Uh, And you say, well, hate's a strong word. Well, let me just say, I was out planting a tree one day, and the woman who owned the house saw me out there and said, you can plant the trees, but just so you know, I'm going to kill them. So I'm thinking she hates us. Uh, my one thought is, well, at least you're going to kill the tree, not kill the pastor. That's, that's an upside. But that was the kind of relationship. We needed more parking, so we applied for the town of Essex for parking on that side. We went to the town meeting, and he was there, the, the husband. And in the meeting, he was not happy. He spoke against us in every way, shape, and form. He was not happy. But I learned something in that meeting. I learned in that meeting why he was against us. You see, they had a bed and breakfast. It was a house, and they added an addition to it and made it a bed and breakfast. It was their dream. And when they made the bed and breakfast and they asked the town to approve them for the bed and breakfast, the town wouldn't approve them until they put all sorts of plantings and trees and shrubs to hide four cars. We're asking to put up a parking lot with 40 cars and not a tree or a bush in sight to hide a thing. And he was livid. And I'm learning this in the meeting. So they approved us. They approved us to go ahead and put parking in. Not all that we asked for, but enough additional spaces. He got up and left, and I followed him out, not looking for a fight. I followed him out. I said, hey, can I catch you for a second? He was not real happy. I said, I just want to say to you, I didn't know anything about what was happening until tonight that you went through this whole process to add four cars and they wouldn't approve you till you got bushes and planting and trees and here we are putting up 40 cars and not one single tree or bush. I said, I just want you to know this. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna stop the pursuit of the parking lot. Even though we're approved, we're not gonna put the parking lot up. I said, not until you talk, I'm gonna get our architect, you talk to our designer, engineer, and you speak into it, and if we can put some berms in, if we can plant trees, if we can do that kind of stuff that would make that better for you, we'll do that. We're not gonna go forward with it. He said, I don't care, just put your parking lot in. I said, well, you might care. You You may not care now, but you might. So we won't act right away. We'll wait and just touch base with you. So that was it. Sometime later, uh, three, four weeks, he stopped by one day, and he said, would you stop by the house tomorrow? Absolutely, I'd love to. Didn't have any idea why, didn't tell me why, just would you stop by the house? So I got here in the morning, I walked across the street, walked down the driveway, and knocked on the front door. The woman who said she was going to kill the tree, she met me there. She was um, civil, and she opened the door, and quite literally, she said, come in. 
And I, she said, sit down. And I went to sit. She's not there. <laughs> and she pointed to a chair and she said, sit there. Hey, listen, I know Jesus. I'm ready to go if he calls me home today. I don't know if the chair is going to blow up, I, whatever. I sit in that chair. I sit in the chair, and then the husband comes in. He's really quite kind, and he sits down next to me, and he says, hey, thanks for coming. He said, you have no idea why we asked you to come here. I said, no, but I'm curious. He said, I want you to see something. And he reached behind the chair, the couch, and he pulled out this big paint, a, a picture of Mount Mansfield, gorgeous picture of Mount Mansfield. Uh, it was just at sundown, and it was glistened with white snow on it. Gorgeous picture. And he said this. He said, that picture was taken right from this room out that window. And up to this point, the blinds had been closed in the house, the window. It's a pretty dark room. And then he went over, and he pulled the blind up. And he said, when you look out that window, the very spot that picture was taken, when you look out that window, what do you see? Well, I knew what I saw. I saw Essex Alliance Church with a phrase on the front said, making friends out of strangers. <laughs> Never have there been more poorly chosen words on a building than making friends out of st- making enemies out of neighbors. That's our new motto. So I looked at it and I said, I got it. So I looked at both of them and I said, here's the deal. I said uh, to both of them, I said, you both know that how it works. If you want to preserve your view, you buy the property around you. I said, can't get around that. We bought that property, you know, and and we never built a building there for years, but we had it and we could. And the truth of it is there was no other place to build the building. I mean, the only way the property sit was right there. So there was no other choice. I said, we know that. I said, so I can't undo all that, but I just want to tell you for whatever it's worth, if I were you, I'd be sick to my stomach. I don't fault you for leaving the curtains down because if that was the picture you had and this is the picture you now have, every time I see it, I would just be in pain. And I said to them, I said, I can't, I, I can't make it right. I can't tear it down. I, all I can tell you is I understand and I'll seek to be as good a neighbor as we can. That's all I can do. They thanked me. I went on my way. About four weeks later, he saw me out there and he said, just want you to know we're going to sell the house. And I kind of laughed. I said, because of us? He goes, no. Yeah, kind of. Um, <laughs> he said, you're part of it, but no, it's time for us to sell the house. Um, I don't know if you even want it, but we're going to sell it. I came, came back into the office, called our leadership. That night we met, had a church meeting that Sunday as fast as we could, made a decision that said if we could purchase it, it would be the right thing to do to have that property. We made that decision. I called him, asked him to stop by, stopped in my office. He and his wife sat down. I said, I want you to know that we are interested in the property. We'll give you your full asking price. He said, full asking price? Why would you do that? Now, this was not the era of today where you have a price, everything's going above asking price. This was the era where you start high and you're going you know, to get low-balled. We'll give you full asking price. I said, you know, at least we can do giving what you've been through with us. We'll ask your asking price. And he said this, he said, well, I have a guy coming today, this afternoon, to look at it. And I said, okay, well, let me know how that goes. I said, be, you know, and he's, nope, I'm going to call him right now. He got up, went to my desk, picked up the phone, called the guy and said, it's already sold, I'm sorry. Hung up the phone, turned around, shook my hand. And he said, done. And what's interesting, is from that point forward, they talked about us as the best neighbors we ever had, ever had, <laughs> ever. I've had people say, yeah, we know so-and-so, they just swear by you guys. I say, swear at us or 
by all. You guys are the greatest. Now, I say that because that's a door we never would have thought would have opened up. There's a side note there, too, that just reminds you that even when they hate you, just keep, just keep doing the right things for God. And I, I didn't do it with any motive. I had no idea. But it just seemed like to reach them where they were at. So that came along, and so we were able to move everything over there. But the truth of it is, it helped us some out here, but didn't help us enough. In 2000, catch this, 23 years ago, we launched, launched a search team to go find alternatives for the future, a new building, new sites, to whatever. We tried to build a building on the property. The town wouldn't allow it here. We looked at another site in Essex. That didn't go through. And we finally landed on the property in Williston and purchased that property. In 2006, 2006 we actually made a pitch to our, our first presentation to Williston to approve permitting for a new property in Williston. We are in the process of getting those permits over multiple years, but yet while we were doing that, Act 250, all the things, the price to build it kept going up to the point where it got to the place where it's going to be over $40 million. $40 million. And that's not an exaggeration. And some of you are thinking right now, well, what kind of building were you building? If you were here to know, you know it wasn't extravagant. It was no crystal cathedral. It was no Taj Mahal. Concrete walls, very utilitarian, concrete floors, very, very basic. But it was larger in size to accommodate some of the things that we really feel we needed to address. As that price kept going up, we sat there saying, there's no way we can, adjust it. We can justify a $40 million building. Um, there was no way that we could end up spending that kind of money or take on that kind of debt. No justification. Now, I want you to hear this next statement because it's very key. So we made the decision to not go forward and to sell that property. Here you go. Here's the statement. That was a very sad decision, but it was not a hard decision. It was a sad decision. Quite honestly, it was quite sad because we knew the things that were going to be in there that we thought would be so critical to ministry, to belonging, to community, things that generations could use. So there was a sadness to that, but it wasn't a hard decision because we couldn't defend that price. And quite honestly, if somebody, if donor came along and said, listen, I'll give you $30 million towards your $40 million project, couldn't justify that price, Right. I mean, we don't live in Texas. We don't live in Florida where they build big churches and spend $60 million at a pop. Even just practically, even if we did live there, I can't in my conscience in this neighborhood, this culture, say, yeah, we spent 40-some million dollars for a building. And people would say, what else could you have done with all that money? And so it wasn't hard. We just looked at that and said, nope, the time has come. We need to sell that building. And then this was before COVID. And then COVID came. Friends, I believe with all my heart that God spared us, spared us from being in a position of having a great big building and a huge debt when COVID came and no, could, no one could have foreseen that coming and that effect. God spared us. Now I'll tell you right now, right up front, I'm the theology guy, I'm the pastor, and I got to tell you, I don't know why God didn't spare us 17 years earlier. I don't have the answer to that. I just know that God does everything right. And his timing, he spared us that. So there's no question it was the right thing to do. Hard, sad, but hard, because there were some elements in that that we desperately wanted to do for ministry. 
You see, one key part of the building that was gonna be one of the highlights was really quite hard because it was something that we had longed for for a long, long time. Now, make no mistake, there were other things in the building that were really, really nice that we would have liked, but not over-the-top nice, meaning there would have been a new auditorium that would have, that would have seated 1,200 people, 1,800 people with some expansion, which would allow us to have you know, two services and, and have more room, but the stage would have been actually a stage that had a backstage where you could store things like grand pianos and those kind of things, or even have a backstage with, with rooms for rehearsal rooms. That was in the plan. And I would, even, I would just take even a backstage. What you don't realize is right behind the wall behind me, there's a four-foot hallway. There's no backstage. We don't have a whole bunch of stuff stashed in places. We would have loved to have had that. But it wasn't to be. So we said, okay, we've, been, we've got along fine. We'll figure that out. Children's ministries. In our new building in Williston, children's ministries would have had dedicated space which they've never had. Now, it doesn't seem like much to you, but do you realize every Sunday morning when the children get done with their spaces, that they get done, and on top of them, right on top of them, usually students or some other groups are in Sunday afternoon, and then during the week, five, 10, 20 different groups will be using all those spaces. You know, that's okay. I mean, we're, we're used to, I like the fact of having multiple use of spaces, but it means that no one gets to have just park their stuff. Children's Ministries comes in every week to make sure what's there, what's not there, what's been moved, what's not moved. But it's like we said, okay, we've been doing this long enough. We can, we can get by that. Student Ministries. Student Ministries would finally have a place of their own. Do you realize in that building in Williston, both student high school and middle school ministries had their own space with an auditorium, smaller in size, but own space. On top of that, in the back of the space, it had their own like grill. I mean, like soda and milkshakes and french fries. I know some of you are going to say, none of those things are good for you. Yeah, but they're really fun. And we had them. And both had their own spaces. But now that's gone. We go, that's okay, though, because we've done this before. We'll figure that out. But you need to know there was one piece of it that probably hurt us most because it was something we've been trying to have and get for a long, long time. Um, it was going to be a key centerpiece to the new building in Williston, and that was a lobby, an actual lobby space that when you walked in, you said, oh, this feels like home. A lobby space that when you walked in, you actually walked into a welcoming space, a place where you could walk in and uh, a lobby with a cafe, a place that would say where you could come with your friends and sit and talk, a place where you could sit down on a couch, maybe in front of a, a fireplace and have a coffee, a cafe where you can invite someone and say, hey, meet me four times, we'll have breakfast together, or maybe meet me for lunch, or maybe there's an evening meeting, we'll have dinner there first, and then we'll go to the meeting together. A place that no matter what door you walk into, right now we have three entrances, two in the front, one in the back, no matter what door you walk into, it, you walk into the center, which would be the life of the church, the lobby. I can tell you right now, most of the people seated in this side, you park in the back lot, you walk in the back door, you walk in those doors, and you sit in your seat. And unless you have to go to the bathroom or you have children, when you get done, you stand up, you walk back out those doors and right back out the parking lot. And don't think you're left alone. Because I can tell where you sit, chances are good, where you've parked. Because we walk in a door and we walk back out a door. And we're sitting there thinking, oh, what it would be to have a place where we walk in and we all walk in to what is the center of the life of church. It's often been said in church, work, in church circles that the life of the church is in the lobby. So 
Um, today, we are announcing the leadership of the church along with the official membership, the voting members of the church. We all agreed as we had a meeting a couple weeks ago now, a couple, uh, two months ago now, that we agree it's time to fix that problem. And we're happy to announce today that we are moving forward with a, with a, a renovation plan and an expansion plan to add to that lobby. We are moving forward that plan to add a space that we can say, man, this is home. Let me tell you some of the things. I'm going to put this on the screen for you real quickly. I'll give you a quick floor plan. So we, already have, we actually have a plan in place because we've been working on it for some time. So for reference point, I know you're looking at a blueprint, which some, some folks, it confuses them. So I'm standing right there. That's the platform. And you're all seated right here. And this is the lobby area we're talking about. Notice three doors. There's one set of doors, two, and three. And each of them will come in now to a, to a bigger area. The lobby space is about three times the size. The current lobby, that's, the, that's the, uh, the line for the current lobby right now. And now it's going to go from there out to here. Fireplace right here. Couches and chairs like a living room setting here. The rest of the room will have uh, high tops and low top tables, storage over here, a full, a full cafe, so not just coffee machines, but uh, a barista there making, making coffees. We're not going to charge you the same price they charge at Starbucks. <laughs> We're going to find out their price. We're going to come down $1. That's our deal for you. So there we go. Um, but a full, a full coffee there. Uh, things you can't see. This is a all redesigned back. This is a new uh, ADA compliant ramp, handicap ramp. A nicely done ramp so that right now the only way someone in a wheelchair that needs access can get in is a front door. We have access on all sides. This area right here is an expanded big patio. We've seen how we use the tent. This area is an expanded patio area. You can't quite see it in this drawing, but that wall right there is a glass wall with garage doors that go up so that you can walk out into the patio on days like today and we have that kind, of, uh, that kind of access and that kind of ability. On top of all of this, you'll see little things. We have expanded women's restrooms. Um, we have an additional ADA restroom. And underneath this, there's actually a basement going in. It was cheaper to put a basement in than just to fill it. So we actually have some additional space uh, in the basement as well. Go to the next slide real quick. Just giving you a look. This is what it looks like inside looking at what would be the cafe piece, the, the, the actual uh, uh, serving area for coffee and, and food. Uh, this gives you just a bit of a look, the fireplace, and this is looking across the room into it. Just kind of a quick look. And this is looking at the front, uh, the way it would look. And put that next one up that shows you the back. Looking uh, from the back parking lot, this is, the way, this is the way it would look. One of the things we've always wanted as well is have a good looking entrance on both sides. That kind of fixes that. So that kind of gives you kind of gives you that feel that you would have coming into the back, and you see here's the ramp and those kind of things. Now, listen, you're going to have time to look at more prints. I just want to quickly, quickly give you a look and, and let you see some of that so you get the feel for it. Um, that's what it includes. Now, with that, we're looking at some renovations because here's the deal. If you've been here in length of time, you know this building needs capital improvements, new flooring. And so uh, new flooring, this room needs to be done, lighting throughout, new LED lights throughout, all those kind of things will be a part of the process. Things that we've been putting off and it makes sense because we thought we were moving. So we didn't do some of the things that we just knew needed to be done. So what's the next step? We are already, um, we are already in have complete designs. We haven't gone the final step that would execute designs, but we have them because we did the Willison project. We knew what we were looking for. So it was really easy. 
We are actually right now um, seeking out and screening funding uh, uh, um, consultants, someone that would help us be a part of our culture. We're not looking to launch some huge campaign, but someone who comes in know, helps us understand our culture here and how do we go and get and how do we raise that money because what we'd love to do is we'd love to not go in debt. We like to not be in debt. We, wanted to, we love to build a debt-free or as little debt as possible. Um, cost estimates. People say, okay, what's it going to cost? We haven't dug in deep to get down to the final number. The estimate comes in at between 4 and $5 million for everything because part of that reason is because of all the capital improvements that go with that. Um, LED lights in the whole place. Uh, we have to put a fire suppression system, i.e. sprinkler system, in the whole building. The architect we're working for, part of our church. And so they're working right with us along the way. And so that's what we're looking for as far as what the price tag would be and um, uh, as far as ultimate price. But how we would raise it, how we get that done determines what the end price tag would be because we are willing to take some mortgage, but we don't want to be in big debt. Uh, on top of that, when we sell the property in Williston, uh, when that closes, we'll have about 700000 towards that as well as a good starting place and it wipes out our current debt which means we'll be debt-free for that time. So we really like to be debt-free if, if we can possibly do it. So here's the bottom line. I really believe it's what we should do. Um, the expansion and the update, people update their houses uh, in 30-some years, time to update this house as well. And I think it's something we need to do for the next generation. But now hear me. Here's the ending. We'll get to, we'll get to communion. I know that I'm in the last quarter of ministry. What that means, folks, is I'm not 28 anymore. I know it's a surprise to you because I act so young. Uh, I'm not 38 either. I know I'm in the last quarter of ministry. Uh, I've talked with our elders. We've and I'm walking through this. Yeah, I have four or five more years of ministry if God allows that. I think I can still preach adequately. I still have energy. I got a vision. But here's the deal: I do not want to hand off to the next pastor. I don't want to hand off to the next generation a huge debt that they can't pay. I don't want that. I don't want to hand off a building that is outdated and needs to be redone because that's going to be real work for, for the next person. I don't want to do that either. I do want to hand off, I do want to hand off a building that people would walk in that's fresh and clean and updated and a place that where people would go, I love my church. A, a place where not only you, but your kids and your grandkids can say, I love this church, I love being here. Let's meet, let's meet before church and let's go have coffee together. I want to leave a place that's ready for the next generation, ready for the next generation to take off and to keep going what God is doing here. And we can do this. We can do this. It'll take all of us, but we can do this. We built this building, about 100 families or so got over a million dollars that they did uh, over a period of time to build this. And then on top of that, yet another expansion after that. We can do this together. After the service, out in the tent, out in the lobby, there'll be uh, some, some of our leadership teams will be around the, the blueprints. You can take a closer look, ask any questions you, you might want to ask. But friends, this is exciting, and we can, we can get this done. We, are, we have prints ready to go. So what's exciting is we have to go get the money. We got to go get it done. But once we get that going, we can get started. We could, be, we could start this in the next year and have it done within 18 months to two years. But we have to go get it done so there's the news. We're pretty excited about it. I can't imagine what it would look like and feel like here, but I, I can. I get a bit of sense, and I'm anxious to go through the journey with you. So ask your questions and jump in along the way. I'm not going to ask your questions now. You can catch me later and ask our team. Let me go back to how I want to end. I want to end with communion. I ask you the question, what's bigger than you right now? What's bigger than you? What's causing you pain? What's hurting you right now? 
I ask you to get that thought in your mind. What is it that's causing the pain? Now, let me read for you the accounting of communion, the Passover Jesus had with his disciples in Luke chapter 22. Listen to this. When the hour came, Jesus and his, and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit from the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The son of man will go, will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be that would be the one that would betray Jesus. This is the accounting of this last meal. We know it was the last, the, the last supper, the Passover meal. So it wasn't just a regular meal, it was Passover. And if you know some history about that, you know that in Passover, all every Jewish family once a year would stop and celebrate this Passover meal together. They would remember going back when God freed them from Egypt, when, they, when the blood over the, and the, the doorpost would protect them, when the angel of death came through, it would pass over their homes and protect them. So they would gather for this very, very important meal. It was this meal that Jesus had with them where he actually instituted communion. It was in this meal where he actually took bread and said, now, this bread, well, I'm going to break it for you. This bread is, my, is the symbol of my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 2,000 years later, we still celebrate communion because Jesus instituted that and put that in place. So it has great meaning. Um, now, when that meeting took place, that dinner Passover, now, don't forget we're human. We're people. And you know what we do, we do really well? we get it wrong quickly. As people, we, get, we take something really good and can mess it up quickly. 20 years after that night of Passover, 20 years later, there was a church group in Corinth, the city of Corinth, that had just messed it all up when it came to communion. In fact, they were horrible. They were fighting with each other. There was infighting. They treated each other horribly. Uh, they thought that each one of them thought they were better than other people. There was fighting, heart feelings, disregard for other people. And so Paul has to write them a letter to say, you guys got to stop this. If you're followers of Jesus, you got to get this right. And so he sends them a letter and it's pretty forceful. Here's the letter and then we're going to get into communion. He writes this. He goes, listen, in the following directives, I have no praise for you for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be some differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. But so then, when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you're eating, some of you go ahead with your own private meals. As a result, one person remains hungry, and other guests get drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? Certainly not. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus. On the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. And everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. Um, Paul sends a real forceful note and is going to remind them about communion. But here's the thought I want to focus on before we have communion. I think it's interesting that when Paul writes, this is what I'm passing on to you, what God gave to me, and then he says this, on the night he was betrayed. That's a little odd. Because Paul could have chosen all sorts of other ways to start the statement. How about this? On the night they had dinner together. On the night they celebrated Passover. Uh, On the night that Jesus started the journey of purchasing our freedom. On the night that uh, he would save the world. On the night that he was arrested. On the night that he bought our freedom. He could have chosen all sorts of things, but he chooses what is probably one of the worst kind of pains a person can feel, right? Being abandoned by somebody else. Unfaithfulness. On the night... He was betrayed. But on top of that, what's also interesting is the way it's written in the Greek. Because it says this, it says, on the night he was betrayed, it says he took bread and he broke it. Interesting thing in the Greek. In the Greek, it doesn't say on the night he was betrayed. It says this, on the night while he was being betrayed. That's kind of significant. Because you're not just looking back. What Paul says, while he was being betrayed, while the act of betrayal is taking place, while he's being betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it with the very person who was betraying him. That means something in the Middle Eastern culture because in the Middle East when you broke bread, that was a sign of friendship. That was a sign of trust. That was the sign of favor. In fact, if you were to go to an enemy and say, come and break bread with me, that was the statement that said, no more animosity between us. We are now together. When you said, come and share my bread, you were saying, come and share my trust. Let me ask you a question. Here you go. You ready? Think of a person in your life who has hurt you or has harmed you. Would you have initiated or would you have pursued that relationship if you knew that it was going to end with them betraying you? Well, if you initiated that relationship, if you knew along the way that at the end they were going to actually betray you, chances are you're, in your mind you're going, probably not. Next question is this. If you knew you were being betrayed, so while you're being betrayed, would you have stayed in if you knew you were being betrayed along the way? Chances are not. Jesus did. While he was being betrayed, he broke bread and shared a meal with the one who was betraying him. Now, if you're normal, like me, You hear that and you say, how do you do that? How do you break bread at the table of friendship with the very person who's betraying you and hurting you? How do you do that? Well, friends, it's pretty straightforward. Here's the answer. Jesus was able to do that because he knew who his father was. He heard from his father. And his mission was to do the will of the Father. Listen carefully. When it becomes your mission to do God's will instead of your will, it gives you the capacity to endure all sorts of things.
that on your own you cannot possibly endure. He knew the will of his father. Let me make a statement for you. If you get up every day and you start your day with a thought process that says, well, what do I need to do today to make me happy? What do I need to do today to make me feel fulfilled? How can I today get what I want? It's a new day, and how today can I make sure that I fulfill my agenda, that my agenda is accomplished today? Today, it's my way. My way or the highway. If that is the story of how you tend to see life, I guarantee you, you are in for a nonstop long life of pain. Because all along the way, people are going to hurt you. They're going to say unkind of things. They're going to wreck your plan for your happy day. But something radically changes, radically changes when you start the day and say, Lord, today's about you, not about me. It's about your agenda, not about mine. Lord, when I get done with this day, I don't want to get done and say, oh, I had a happy day. I want to get done saying, you know what? I think I please you today with everything that I have. Think about the changes. Think about a person who's hurting you or harming you. If it's all about you, you get hurt and harmed, you got to get even, you got to, how, how do I endure this? But now if it's about Jesus, someone hurts or harms you, and your attitude is this, so how do I please him today? Treat them with love. How do I respond? How do I respond in this moment? How do I respond when things are not going? How do I respond when the doctor calls and says some bad news? God, how do I please you today? I please you by living above the fray of it all. Now, listen carefully to this final statement. In a moment, you're going to hold your communion cup. You're going to have that little wafer. And we know, as we've just read and have learned it in church, that when he died, he said, my body broken for you. He died for our sins to make us clean, to give us a new beginning, and to give us eternity. We, I, I mean, man, it doesn't get any better than that. But if you think that what Jesus Christ did for you is just about eternity, then you are missing the power of God's spirit in helping you live today. When we hold that wafer, it is not just about eternity. It's about whatever it is in your life that you think is bigger than what you're able to handle. You see, Jesus was able to endure the pain and the punishment and the torture of abandonment and betrayal. Why? Because the Father's will was bigger and better. I'm going to skip for the verses. I'm going to skip to our final verse. I'm going to skip down to Hebrews chapter 12. Listen to this final verse, Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy waiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Here it goes. Here's a key statement. I want you to hear. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, and then you won't become weary and give up. What a great statement. Worship team, you come out. We're going to have communion here in a moment. But here's a statement I need you to hear. It says, listen, Jesus had a vision of what was yet to come, and because of that, he endured what he had to go through here. Friends, whatever it is you face, he is bigger than what you face. He's bigger than the, the hurt you feel. He's bigger than the pain you feel. 
He's bigger than the unknown thing that you're, you're afraid of tomorrow. He's bigger than that. And when you get weary and tired, you stop and you think of him and how he endured it. Why? Because he knew the Father's voice. We're going to share in communion, so find your cup. Don't quite open it quite yet. Just get it in your hand here for a moment. If you're here this morning and you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, you've been here for maybe a couple of weeks, a couple of months, but you've never placed your faith. You've never said, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want you to forgive me of my sin. I want you to give me a new beginning. If you've never done that, I say, why not? What's holding you back? What a perfect time. It's a simple prayer. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Thank you for taking my sin. Make me clean. Give me a new beginning. You say, Scott, I don't understand it all. It's okay. Just start. Start the journey. For some of you who are followers of Jesus and you're battling some hurt, you're battling something bigger than you, you're battling something that's in your future, would you this morning as you're holding that little wafer in just a moment, hold that wafer and say, thank you for dying for me, but thank you for winning the battle that I face right now for today and for tomorrow. Let me offer a prayer. Father, as we come to this moment, I just ask again that we would have that sense of your presence. I pray for the person this morning who's never placed their faith in you, and they may have a lot of reasons why they don't understand it, they have more questions, They're all very reasonable, but maybe in just this moment, they would just stop and say, you know what, I don't have all the answers, but I am going to decide right now, I will follow Jesus. Then in this moment, they would simply offer a simple prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Take my sin. Forgive me. Make me clean. You are my Savior. I will follow you. And in this moment, may they experience the freedom that comes from being found by Jesus. For the person this morning that's here with a battle that's bigger than they can imagine. Would you remind them today that if you can conquer the cross, if you can conquer the grave, if you can hand us eternity, then you can handle anything that we face. I ask you to bless the bread, bless the cup as we share in them together. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'll take your cup and just the very top piece, peel that back and you'll find a little wafer there doesn't much look like a big loaf of bread, but it's, it's the bread. And Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And after he gave thanks, he said, this is my body broken for you. It means he died for you. Let's share together. And then you can pull the next little tab back. And then he took the cup and he said, this is the, the new covenant. This little cup represents new beginnings. Isn't it great to know that with Jesus, your past is wiped clean and you get a new start? Let's share together. I'm going to ask you to stand and we'll join our worship team as they lead us in a closing song. And I'll come back and pray. Oh, yeah. 
o'er the Lamb of God and sing. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. participate in communion together today we're reminded he is worthy so let's sing that again let's run it back all the saints oh all the saints and angels they bow before your throne all the elders cast their crowns Uh, final short story, and I'll pray. Um, 
10 days ago, I called the elders and governing board together to make sure we're on the same page with the plans and going forward today and putting this news out about the building and whatever. And I just want to remind you again that whatever it is you face, he's bigger than whatever you face. So we had that meeting 10 days ago, and now our property in Williston has been under contract for some time. It's all executed, but if you know anything about the real estate market with businesses, it takes a while. They're permitting they got to get, and it could be a four or five-year process uh, to get it all done. One hour before that meeting, one hour before the meeting, we received a call from the realtor who's overseeing it and said, hey, good news. They're running, it looks like they're ahead of schedule, and we could close on this by the end of the year. Uh, we didn't know that going into that meeting where we were talking about this plan going forward. What that would mean would be that when that closing happens, all of our current debt is paid off, debt-free. That kind of feels good, or virtually debt-free. And then on top of that, another 700000 give or take, would be coming in towards the future. We had no idea that was coming when we had that plan that meeting one hour before we got that. God is bigger than whatever it is that you face. Let me offer a prayer. Father, as we dismiss ourselves today, a remind us it's not just about a lobby or an expansion. It's about you, and it's about you working in our lives in ways that we can't even begin to imagine or see. Very sincerely, I pray for the person that's carrying a burden today of pain or of hurt or a battle that's bigger than they can imagine. Remind them that you are bigger than anything that face and that we can trust you with our future. Dismiss us today in your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.